Welcome. Welcome. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That is Corinne. And I am Sabrina. And I'm wearing my mother's overalls from back in the day. Oh, Sabrina, I wish you told me. I have my mom's overalls from back in the day. We could have been matching. We could have been. I think it's like, I I don't even, I think they're like Oshkosh Bagosh or something like that. Oh my gosh. Wow. These are old Navy. That's funny. They, I mean, they look great. I like the color. The wash is awesome. Yeah. People who are watching our YouTube will get to actually see. My whole outfit. And you're wearing – is that a Whit, is that your Whitney Houston shirt underneath it? This is my Romeo's pizza shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. A little different. I like that you now so know my it. wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, it's, it's actually – that's a challenge. It's hard to know your wardrobe because – you rent a lot of clothes. Yes. So you always have new clothes. That's true. But then there are a few things that you wear often. Mm-hmm. So was that a Harry Styles coffee mug? Oh, of course it is. Weren't you going to see Justin Bieber recently? I was supposed to see Justin Bieber yesterday in Boston, but he's he is not well right now. So it is postponed, which is totally fine. So sending- I was not upset about it because I was like, He's got other things to think yeah, about. Yeah, but we're sending our good vibes to Justin Bieber. Good vibes. Feel better. Yes. Good vibes to him. And good you know vibes what? to everybody. Justin Bieber. Because all of you guys are are haunted, so you yes. need good vibes. You do. And we're about to tell you about it because this is an encounters episode. It sure is. I was going to say Justin Bieber should listen to our podcast and it will make him feel better. So putting that oh, out in the I universe so. as well. We totally should. We'll DM Haley and be like, Haley, I think that you guys as a couple should listen to our podcast together. <laughs> yeah, I think it's That'll good be our new bonding. Marketing. Good bonding. Good bonding. Yeah. I think I'm first, okay, right? Okay, great. I don't remember, but I think that's a great idea. All right. I'm going to – I've this episode I picked out one that's really long and then I picked out a couple that are like really short. Okay. So we're going to get a whole a – whole, Mesh of them, but I'm going to start out with one that's pretty short, but I still think it's like, oh my God. Okay. Just a few sentences and already I'm like, holy shit, this is so scary. Okay. Okay. This is from Sarah. Hello, girlies. My name is Sarah and I absolutely love your podcast and listen religiously. I work night shift, which can be kind of spooky, but it makes the night fly by so much quicker. Anyways, I live in the Appalachian Mountains (gasps) in the middle of nowhere. There's thick layers of trees surrounding my house in almost every direction. Because I work night shifts, I'm always awake on my days off. So I was folding clothes with my little dog, Toby, and I hear what sounds like footsteps coming up the ramp to my porch. Everything gets quiet. And then I hear almost a robot toned woman's voice say, help, help, help outside of my window. Oh my God. There was no emotion. No tapping or pecking on the window. And at this point, my dog is going absolutely insane. My parents wake up and ask what's wrong. And I explain to them and they just laughed at me. So now here I am sitting in my living room at 4.56 a.m. sending you this email. Thank you for keeping me occupied at work and doing an amazing job. See you on the other side. Sarah. (laughs) What? What? Ah. This sounds like 
She wrote Skinwalker Encounter? Question mark. Or like Black Eyed Kids or any That's, kind of yeah. mimic or yeah. There's so and in the Appalachian Ugh. Mountains, there's so much going on. So like, I mean, we've read. I think our first episode that we ever did, not necessarily about the Appalachian Mountains, but just about like the woods and trails, was called Hiking Buddies. It's like number nine. Oh or yeah, we did it so early, and I feel like even stories from there and from all of the like deep Reddit threads we've gone through prove that in the Appalachian Trail, there's even spirits that are so incredibly powerful that like it could have just straight up been a ghost doing this as well. That's true. Remember when you wanted to go hike the Appalachian Trail by yourself? Yes. And I was – There was a really, really strong pull for like months. Concerning. And I I wanted to do it alone, the whole thing. And I don't camp. Like (laughs) a bug lands on me and I scream. But for some reason, I was really getting pulled to the mountains. So glad I didn't go. (laughs) Me too. I I don't know if you'd be with us today. I mean, you would have survived. I would have had to live stream the whole thing, I think, to be safe. Yeah, yeah. That is really unsettling. I mean, wherever you are, if you hear that, it's unsettling. But to be in the middle of the Appalachian Trail or mountains is even worse because it's like, I'm picturing that there's no one around for miles and miles and miles. So it could be someone who's trying to harm you. It could be something supernatural. Like it reminds right. me of is it strangers and it's based on a true story where these the people with the masks they like showed up to a oh. house and just because they were home they killed them. Yeah, the last scene was wh- why why are you doing this? And they said because you were home. Ugh, that, it this does feel like that, and it's so creepy because it's like what are the chances that someone's going to be awake at that time? I was yeah. thinking about it the other day. I actually think that like four a.m. To 6 a.m. is some of the scariest time Hmm. of day and night because 3 a.m. paranormally, very scary. But for human-on-human interaction, I think it's like those are the two hours that where you're least likely to run into someone awake. Like the bars spill out until 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. That's true. But then it's like dead for two hours until the 6 a.m. commute starts again. Yeah. It's funny because I feel like I like those hours because – Okay, back Twilight, because it's pretty and peaceful. Yeah, exactly. If you're in your own home yeah. and you're safe. Or if you're, you know, yes, if you're in a – like, I would love to sit on the beach, like, early, early morning, like, at 5 a.m. Mm. in the quiet. Yeah. I've never done this, by the way. So I don't know if I actually would like it. <laughs> Maybe in my mind. No, I, I like think it. you would. <laughs> but just sit there. You would. And no one's up. No one's awake. And it's just kind of like you have the world to yourself for a moment. I really like that idea. There's such a short – I mean, I guess I'm thinking where I'm based in New England. There's such a short window of time where you could actually do that because yeah. the sun doesn't rise until like basically 6 a.m., yeah. 530. Uh, yeah, yeah, But yeah, no. I think there there is something peaceful and tranquil about it. But I think – being in the middle of the woods or <laughs> yeah that's different like walking out on the street by yourself yeah. my alarm bells would be like looking around like crazy. head on a swivel Look, yeah where am i who's around what's going on <sighs> well oh. i mean sarah you gotta give us updates if anything yeah, else happens what the heck? this was wait this was set in november of 2021 so it's there's been, been a while half a year has passed yeah okay we'll follow up we'll follow yeah. up okay I have a story from our listener, Danielle, and it's called, My Dad Accidentally Adopted a Ghost Child. Hello, ladies. Happy Father's Day. (laughs) This is basically like, we're a little late at this point, two weeks late, but this feels like we should have read this. We're recording it right after Father's Day, so I guess it's, it's still Father's Day. 
I'll do my best to try and make this make sense. I am not the best at telling stories, but I lived in a house that was haunted by three different spirits. One was the hat man. The other was the slender shadow. And Hmm. the other one was a little boy who gave me very mixed vibes. The boy was very mischievous and liked to make, oh gosh, my little sister cry at night because she said, he'll never leave me alone. So of course, my dad would come to our room to calm her down and say out loud to the boy, it's time you leave her alone. There were mornings when my dad would go to work and my stepmom would say that once he left, the boy would appear at the end of her bed and scare her. No! That went on for years until my dad and stepmom split. She took the kids and it was just me and my dad in that house after that. It was a bad year after the split and of course spirits feed off of negative vibes that you put out and man, oh man, was there a lot of negativity in that house. Not only did the two evil spirits get stronger, but the boy did too. He appeared in a dream of mine in quotes. He hit my head while I was trying to nap and he liked to hit things off the counter. Well, my dad was a drunk and liked to talk to the boy, saying things a parent would say to a child when they misbehave, like, leave Rosie alone, she's not doing anything to you, or stop throwing that and behave. And the creepiest thing- This is also frustrating me because this isn't just like a normal child ghost who's kind of like playing or, or, or figuring out what they can do. This feels like the annoying kid mm-hmm. that you you like had to hang out with that you're like, <laughs> oh my God, like- do you not have any parenting? Just fucking stop slapping yeah. me. Or like, leave me alone. Yeah, I'm getting annoyed for <laughs> yeah. her on her behalf. It really is because that's of like annoying. a sibling. Yeah. The creepiest thing about it is that he would listen to my dad when he asked him to stop. Well, when we went our separate ways after a year of living there alone, leaving the house behind, I thought we left him bef- behind too. But I just found out this Easter after bringing up the old hauntings we all experienced that the boy followed my dad. My dad told me that he still to this day hears child's laughter in the spare bedroom. His new wife sees a boy sometimes in the hallway and things like keys, glasses, and other little things get misplaced and will not appear again until my dad gets frustrated and says, that is enough. I need my keys or glasses or whatever it is that's missing. (laughs) And then he'll go look around the house and they'll be back where they are supposed to be. I asked him how he knew it was the same spirit, and he said he just feels the same kind of energy from the boy that he felt at the old house. I told him that is why you don't talk to spirits, and especially not try to parent them. LOL. Well, that's all for now. You are amazing. Keep doing what you do best. Danielle. Wow. I mean, here we go. Here's <laughs> his his opportunity for redemption and to have a little bit more parenting in mm-hmm. his life. That's kind of nice. I mean, clearly he appreciated having a parent that acknowledged him and also kind of course corrected some of his behavior. Yeah. Because that child did not have to go on with the dad who was saying, Mm-mm. knock it off. But maybe it just reminded this child of like his, maybe his life with his other siblings. I do. And yeah. he just was. And or just like he just, I mean, maybe he passed away young and he missed his parents and he liked yeah. having this father figure around. I am glad that the little boy didn't follow Danielle because it sounds like Danielle would have been furious. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting point because I feel like so many times when we read stories about little kid spirits being around other little kid living human beings, Mm -hmm. it's often assumed that the connection is with the other children, that they just like want to play with the other kids. Right. But it's interesting to think that maybe what the spirit is missing most is their parent. Their parent. That's so sad. Now I'm going to (laughs) cry. Now I'm sad about this. 
Oh, it is funny. Like, I feel like I have lived away from my family now for almost like 12 years. Oh my gosh. 11 years. That's wild. And so I don't see my family often, but like there are times where I'm like, I just want a hug from my mom or like, you know, I just want that like, yeah, that feeling. And so I don't blame this little girl. Especially when you're sick. Oh, yeah. Right. And if you're sick, you're like, oh, I just want to be in my childhood home on the couch watching yes like 48 hours where my mom's like forensic brushing my hair or like in law and order svo scratching my back yeah yeah coming and taking my temperature my mom used to give us sleeping bags when we were sick we would literally be in a sleeping bag on the couch it was like (laughs) camping i think because we were you know you had the chills and you're so cold so we'd have like our sleeping bag and then we'd have like more blankets inside to like try to get as warm as we possibly could but then also part of me thinks that it was her way of ensuring that we didn't like sweat through the couch and make it gross because we had something (laughs) underneath us i think it was a little bit of a germaphobe i feel like when you're sick you get like hot and cold so if you're in a sleeping bag yeah you might be cold for a minute but then like all of a sudden you're like dripping sweat yeah but then you just unzip and you throw it throw it out release the heat release the heat it was a good trick did you ever fake release the heat did you ever do what they did in et and heat the thermometer and a light bulb no did you yeah of course really Mm -hmm. did did it fool your parents yeah (laughs) i feel like okay here's the thing about being sick it never came at a time where you like wanted to be sick I remember like yeah. there were multiple times where I had birthday parties that I was super excited about or like sports games and I would get sick and I'd have a fever and I'd be so I would try so hard to pretend I was fine because I wanted right. to go do those things. But then if I had a test that I didn't study for or I don't know, I was bullied in school or I just didn't want to like go do those things and I I would prefer to be sick at those moments <laughs> so that I don't have right. to go I know do them. It never aligns quite right. Yeah. Aw. Well, that's fun. That's fun that you yeah. did that and got away with it. That's like, I feel like a classic childhood. Yeah. This feels very like 80s, 90s kid movie. Yeah. That, well, E.T., I guess. Yeah. We're talking about it right now. Now, as an adult, I could just be like, well, first of all, I don't have – I mean, you're my job, so we can we can reschedule whenever we want. But when I have and like – let's be real. Both of us get sick so often, often with food issues. We do oh reschedule all the time. Well, the amount of times we'll text each other and be like – um, so I just ate something and I think it had cheese or I think it had gluten and, um, I'm throwing up. So I'll keep you updated how I'm feeling in 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And oftentimes it was like, oh, I was just about to text you the same thing. I don't know what <laughs> happened, but I am down for the count. <laughs> At least we're on sync, in sync with that as well. I know. I actually need, we'll get back to ghost stories in a second, but I owe my doctor a call because I did another allergy test. Mm-hmm. And guess what came up? Which I'm like in denial. So I need to call them oh, and no. be like, what does this actually mean? What? Eggs. <gasps> Egg. Everything else was like barely there or maybe a little bit of a reaction. Eggs. And then eggs were just like red. It was like egg, egg, egg. Egg white, egg yolk. And then, but I eat eggs all the time. Like I literally make hard boiled eggs like for lunch. I'll have like strawberries and hard boiled egg. So I'm like, fuck. That's <laughs> heartbreaking. Mm. I'm going to have to be vegan. But I'll, fi- I'll figure it out. That's so sad. I'll get back to you. Hopefully, it was a mistake. That's it's a fluke. <laughs> Hopefully, all my blood work was wrong. It was someone else's. <laughs> it wasn't yours. It got mixed up. <laughs> Actually, wait. To diverge one more time. Yes. I – have have not told you about – remember when I went and got blood work and I was like, it actually 
was really tough because I usually faint, or I shouldn't yeah. say usually. I faint every once in a while from anything medical and especially from blood specifically, from seeing it, uh-huh. from talking about it too much, from, yeah. Watch I, you I faint right now do it right on now. screen. Yeah, I know. That's, I just started to get a little oozy. But so I, I know what fainting is like. And usually I'm out for a couple of seconds and everything goes like black and it kind of like twinkles. And then I have like a little dream and I come back and I'm just like, you know, a little teary and, and discombobulated, yeah. a little confused. This past time, Sabrina – I actually partially think I died. Like, I think I was, like, in the astral plane. It was bad. Did I tell you about this? No, what happened? Oh, I I was, like, I was so rocked by the experience that I was bawling my eyes out and Brian had to come get me. And I was going, like, sobbing, like, like I had actually seen a mass murder in front of me. I, so I could sense I was about to faint. So I said out loud, I'm feeling faint. And then it started to go like this. And I go, I'm going to faint. So, and that was the last thing I remember. I was out. And so the woman, I presume the nurse had like turned around and started to to care for me. <laughs> My dream was really long and it was really confusing. It was this woman. She was this, I was like sitting down talking to this woman. She was like, I don't know, maybe in her forties. She's black. It had natural hair that was kind of like a shoulder-ish length. And we were sitting down and talking about something. And I couldn't remember what it was, but I remember it was like a very serious thing that we're talking about and like decision. But it was really, it was really disorienting because all around her was like, you know, when on TV, when they try to depict someone on psychedelics and it's like really trippy and yes. there's like, you know, p- paisley and like tie-dye colors and everything's like, woo, woo, woo. everything was like that around us, but we were like focused on each other and talking. This is like the OA. And then- I need to rewatch the OA. Actually, that's so weird that you said that because I literally Googled this morning, is season three of the OA really not going to happen? <laughs> and apparently it's, it's not. It's not. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, I was like so focused. And then all of a sudden, Sabrina, I was getting ripped out and thrown back in. So Wait, it was really difficult for me to actually guy. wake up from it. Maybe. Because I was like, I would literally flash back into my body and I I would see the nurse that was like putting the ice pack behind my head and like moving the chair down. Oh. But then I'd get ripped back with her and she was kind of like standing there kind of reaching for me, but like kind of watching me <gasps> fall back. And I went back and forth probably like three times and it was so scary. Like I literally thought I died. So I was but, sobbing. I could barely stand. But do you feel like the conversation you were having with this woman was important? Like, was it about your life? It kind of felt like that, but I don't – But I can't remember what we talked about. I just hmm. remember that it was very that, – that what we were talking about was serious. And maybe it was life, but, like, it wasn't, like, a two-way conversation. It was about me. You got to get your blood talking. drawn again, and we're going to send you back to the astral <sighs> plane. We're going to do this. It's going to – it, it Do it for the sake of the people who oh are listening God. to this podcast, Corinne. <laughs> Sacrifice no. yourself. I literally couldn't talk about it for a week. I tried to tell my parents like two days after it happened. I just started bawling as I was telling them. I feel it like was you re- had like, a spiritual experience. I, I must have because I've fainted plenty of times. And I was out for a while too because I was in that room. Brian, Brian was waiting for me because I knew I wouldn't be able to drive myself after getting my blood drawn. So he was in the waiting room. And <gasps> he was like, you were in there for like 30 minutes. And everyone else was in there for like Five minutes, ten minutes, yeah, big, max. Yeah, but I was there for blood. a long time. Out. Whoa. Anyway, I'm so fascinated. We're here to talk about ghosts. Well, this is like a paranormal experience. Corinne. I guess this is an encounter. Yeah. I know. I can finally talk about it now that I'm like far enough past, and I don't have the marking on my arm anymore from Whoa. like the bruise of the needle. But 
Okay. Yeah. I'm going to think about this more. I'm going to do some research. I really do think you had like, because this reminds me of when I astral projected and I had a conversation with this woman and I, I told you that if I saw her on the street, I would recognize her. And it was a full on conversation about our life, my life. And she was like yeah. guiding me. Like I think it was a spirit guide of some sort. And we had that full conversation before I went through the astral plane and then got sucked back into my body. How did you feel when you were getting sucked back in? That that part was scary because it was it felt like something else was around that I needed. Remember, it was like someone whispered in my yeah. ear, wake up. Right. Yeah, that part was scary. Oh, oh, wow. What a spiritual experience, Corinne. I'm sorry. It sounds scary and unsettling, but I do think you Well, here you are something. having these experiences and you were totally fine. I mean, I wasn't fine and I haven't done it <laughs> I mean, since. It was scary. But, but I've recovered. Yeah. I've, I've grown from it. You've grown from it. Maybe I wonder if we have the same person. But who was your person? Mine was a white lady and she had very like curly, like short hair. Hmm. Okay. Hairstyles, very similar. similar. Yes. Yes. Very similar. All right. Interesting. This one I have had in my folder because you and I both have folders yeah. that's like Corinne's and Sabrina's. Yeah. So when we see emails come in, we try to like steal, steal them, them into our it's old folders. So I've I've had this one ready to rock oh for my a while. Okay. Okay. This is from Jennifer. Okay. E. Dear Corinne, Sabrina, and Leah. First of all, please let me sing your praises. Newer listener, but I'm obsessed with you all and TGOG. I love everything you're doing. It's made my commute to home so much better. And I have wanted to write you for a little while because I want to share all of my experiences. But after a moment I had last night, I finally decided there's no better time than now. I've wanted to reach out because I've worked as a museum curator for 10 years and have definitely had things happen to me. And I remember you talking about how spooky museums could be in uh-huh. the past episode which we just covered on the museum. So I was like, this is perfect. This is in addition to personal experiences that I've had with all of my loved ones who have passed. And this is a long one, so I apologize. But also, I don't. Good. So here goes. Yes, Jennifer. I like it. (laughs) Yeah, don't feel obligated to apologize. You never need to. Don't be sorry for telling us great stories ever. Yeah, we asked for this. So you can say you're welcome. Yeah. Instead and of we sorry. can say we're sorry for making you type all of this. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. I had my first experience in the year 2000 when I was 16 and I knew nothing about the paranormal. My maternal grandfather passed away. And that evening after spending time at their house with my grandmother, I went home to get some rest. My mom stayed the night with her and my aunts. So I was home alone. I had a headache from crying, and after grabbing some aspirin from my parents' bathroom, I was walking through the house, which is kind of a long ranch-style house, and I saw his form standing in the kitchen doorway, leaning on the right side of the doorframe like he always did when he came to visit. He was six foot four, so his stature was noticeable. His head had almost hit the top of the frame, and I stood there, staring at it, having never seen a shadow form or even knowing about them. I tried to tell myself that it was totally fine and not human-shaped at all and decided that I was going to walk through the door to prove that it was nothing. I swung wide to the left so that I would actually walk next to it and not straight through it. And as I walked by it, I put my right arm out to pass through the shadow at about waist height. This is so Ah, brave. I would never do this. I'm also surprised that like she was able to get that close. I know. Yeah, they were still standing there. I looked straight ahead as I was walking, but as my arm hit that spot, it was literally ice cold, (gasps) and I got chills up half of my arm. 
I stopped and I looked back, but nothing was there. For a couple of months after my grandfather's passing, my parents' house was active with things physically moving around. And also when our family went to his viewing at the funeral home, a butterfly fluttered to my grandmother and landed on her cheek momentarily <gasps> before on floating her away. Cheek. Yes. <laughs> it's so gentle. It it's is so really loving. Ugh. Butterflies have always made their appearances during incredibly hard times. And I have no doubt that that was him and more recently my grandmother's too. Mm. So I have lost all of my grandparents at this point and I've had experiences with all of them. Several experiences with my maternal grandmother and I heard her say my childhood nickname, Jenny, in my right ear. My turntable and microwave both started on their own and a small framed picture that I had kept was turning completely around no matter where I put it. Mm. I also had a coworker come up to me one day while she was with me installing a museum exhibit, and we started talking about light knocking that I was hearing on a case a foot behind me. She couldn't hear it, but she felt inclined to come over and tell me what she was feeling. She asked if I had lost my grandmother recently and if I was German, which this grandmother was the only German connection that I have in my lineage. I immediately burst into tears, and she said that it was my grandmother wanting to get my attention to tell me how proud of me she was and how who I had become. Okay, so cool that her coworker has this ability. I know. Well, and too, it's like that they both experience different things yeah. at the same time. So it's like however you perceive the paranormal and however you're open to it, it's still happening around you. Whoa. And so you basically get that confirmation. Wow. So cool. It is wild how people's realities can be so different. Yeah. Well, that's like in my childhood home. I would see and feel a lot at the same time my mom would hear. She heard yeah. a lot. I didn't hear as much. I would love to like see what part of your brains are active in different ways when those paranormal experiences are yes. happening. That actually would be awesome. Like where does the like clear audience and clairvoyant triggers in your brain? Right. I wonder if anyone has done this research before. If not, let's add it to our list of uh, business ideas. Great. Yeah, just got to go get qualified to take some brain scans real quick. BRB. We'll hire someone to do that Uh, part. We will watch it all happen. We'll hook ourselves up and then have actual people that experience more, like can knowingly bring things in. Yeah, I was going to say, how do we? We'll be sort of like the baseline of like, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Yeah, how do we bring the ghosts though? We just bring haunted people in? Well, I think our podcast is proof that they're literally (laughs) always around. That's true. Okay. We've had a lot of interference. My brain so. my brain went to um we're gonna need someone to be playing a Ouija board while we're in the the scans. No, because then we can't get out. We're trapped. <laughs> and I'm I've already been that. trapped in a Too tight scary. space before, so I can't risk yeah, it. Yeah, what are you wishing for? <laughs> Brina, you've already experienced the elevator. Cheats. Okay. In August of 2018, my boyfriend was assaulted in our driveway, fracturing his skull what? and jaw in several spots. Oh, my god! As I went out the next morning to clean up the traces of his fast food dinner that he had been bringing home and was scattered all over our yard and street, I broke down. Just then, two monarch butterflies began floating around me, one landing on my chest right over my heart. I also recently had a reading with an amazing psychic medium who told me my spirit animals that she saw were a ferret and an owl, which represent courage and wisdom. And the motto on the crest of the side of my family is Concilio et animos. Sorry, I butchered (laughs) Latin. I've never taken Latin, so that's my excuse, which literally means with wisdom and courage. 
And I actually have that tattooed on my left shoulder. So I absolutely know that they're with me. On the other side of the fam, my mom, dad, and myself simultaneously had experiences with the minute my paternal grandmother passed away and we were on three different continents. This was in October of 2018, shortly after my boyfriend's assault, and he was still healing. I was in Falaise, France at the time with him and his family, and I woke up when I thought I heard him walking around our room. I rolled over, and he was asleep next to me. I looked at my phone because I wondered if everyone was getting up for breakfast or something. It was only 5.35 a.m. I thought, oh my goodness, what if that was a ghost? (laughs) I told myself that they had gentle footsteps, so if anything, they seemed nice and respectful. Maybe like a cute 18th century housekeeper. (laughs) And then I fell asleep. (laughs) I love that that's where Jennifer's brain went. (laughs) She's like painting this whole picture. She's just, oh, it's just like the cutest little 18th century housekeeper. Tiptoeing around, getting the things done. Oh my God, that's so adorable. You know what? Sometimes that's what you need to do. And if you can, you know, create this like beautiful, positive, lovely experience. I know. Hey, it worked. She fell back asleep. Yeah. The next week we got back and I found out that my grandmother had passed while we were gone and my family had decided to wait until I was home to tell me. Here's how the dots were connected. She had passed away in a little town of Cushing, Oklahoma, at home in her bed. My mom, uncle, and two nurses were with her. Within seconds of her passing, one of the nurses told my mom that her phone, which was on the dresser across the room, was lighting up. My mom walked over and her phone was calling me. They all saw Stop. It. I never got the call because I had my phone on airplane mode to save data. Wait, the nurse's but phone was calling Jennifer. I think the nurse was telling her mom that her mom's phone oh. was lighting up. Oh, my God. But still. But like the phone was making the call was to Jennifer. It's not like Jennifer. the mom was receiving a call. Yes. Oh, my God. So she had it on airplane mode. So she didn't get it. But as she hung as she hung up and while she still had her phone in her hand, my dad called her from Saudi Arabia telling her that he had a weird feeling. The time in Oklahoma Stop. was 10.35 p.m. and he called her at 10.36. She showed me the log on her phone. Wild. 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 I know. I'm like holding my chest. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. The time difference made at 5.35 a.m. in France. When she was hearing the footsteps. Oh my. I heard her tiptoeing around me. I also definitely felt her on that day when I went to her house, and it was the first time following her passing in several ways, physically with a hug that I undoubtedly felt when I walked in and with the air creatures that surrounded her house that day. Scissor tails by the dozens, monarch butterflies by the hundreds, and ladybugs by the actual thousands. They were all over her house. And I've never witnessed anything like that. That is beautiful. I should also mention that she was a Gemini, which is an air sign. And if ever there were angels, my grandma Myrtle would be one. Those creatures being there all made sense to me. This is reminding me of Moana when the grandma (laughs) becomes the stingray. Yeah. Uh, Oh, this is so beautiful. I mean, the fact that it really is all of these critters flocked to the house after her passing is this like really it's it's like Cinderella like she just was one with yeah. nature right like she's truly innately good yeah and all of the creatures <gasps> are like there in support to like celebrate her her life and her spirit so being special. lifted wow yes 
So those are my familiar familial experiences, but I have several experiences at work too. I felt really scared in some of the museums and others feel like they are buzzing with spiritual hugs. Oh. For eight years, I worked at the Oklahoma Territorial Museum in Guthrie, which is Oklahoma's territorial capital. Early on, I always felt very uncomfortable in a couple of particular spots in the museum. I became the Saturday's site attendant and I was there by myself all day. Almost all of my encounters were when I was alone, but I know that other people have experienced things too. My boss got a picture of the curator at the exhibit opening, and there was the top half of a translucent man standing next oh, to her. Oh, I want to see this photo. You can see his pla- – I know. It's not attached. Oh, man. So- Jennifer. Jennifer, if you can find it. You could see his plaid shirt tucked into his belted jeans, which faded out just above the knees. And he looked exactly like Ron Swanson, <gasps> but with a Mona oh. Lisa smile. What? Ow. I just I w- whacked my arm. <laughs> Oh, are you okay? Yeah, just got excited. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. I know. I wish I had a copy of the picture, but I don't at all. Oh. There was this one corner of the museum that always felt like somebody was pacing and watching you. The exhibit case in the corner downstairs and the one directly above it upstairs would set their alarms off during business hours and in the middle of the night several times a year. This went on for years, and they had the alarm company out multiple times. They are laser barrier alarms that would have to actually be in the case to be set off. Just once the elevator went upstairs on its own. And I once heard a couple inaudibly arguing right next to me early morning one day, as it should be noted that the walls of the museum are three feet thick concrete because we are in tornado country. Mm. The next bit's a little weird to explain, so bear with me. The entry to the museum is two glass doors. Two feet inside those doors is metal floor-to-ceiling accordion gate. And then four feet after the gate is another set of glass doors. All of these were locked individually. And one Saturday morning at 8 a.m., I'm walking up to the building. I specifically noticed the mail deliverer down the street because I felt bad for being late and not to be there to let him drop the mail. So that meant that they had to slip the mail under the first set of glass doors. As I walk up to the museum door, there is about 10 pieces of mail intertwined in the accordion gate sporadically, but going from the top to the bottom. I stood there for a hot second, remembering that I had seen the mailman a block away. I got super scared, tried the door, and found it locked. Told myself that I had to go inside because that was my job. (laughs) And then I ran in with the music blaring on my phone and set the museum up for the day. Ew! Okay, so there were glass doors that were locked. So the the mailman slid them under the glass door and then something stuck them in all of the and shoved them in between the barrier, like made a little pattern in the barrier that was like four feet away. That's so weird. I'm sweating now. That is, yeah, that is And freaky. also if the mailman was like that far, like that close, that means it happened within a short period of time. Right. So it was like a gust of energy swoop, swooshing it all up and I so wonder what would have happened if the, if the mail delivery person had like turned around did it happen as soon as Ugh. they turned their back and walked like if they just peeked back would they see all the mail like swirling up and, Wait. and getting pushed into the grate you know what i'm picturing is from the grinch the live action one where he's in the mail room and he's taking the mail from people's slot and he goes and he's like throwing it into the wrong ones and like mixing it up and i forget what the lines are but he's like christmas card for them blah, blah, blah. 
Cheers? Yeah. Anyway, that's what I'm picturing. I cannot. Yeah. That's funny. I mean, maybe, maybe that was sort of the vibe. Just stuff it. Or maybe they were like trying to get it. Maybe they were trying to be helpful <laughs> and actually pushed it all the way into the museum. And they were just like kept trying to shove it through the slots and them getting stuck. And they're like, let me try another piece of mail on another slot. Well, now I'm wondering. Yeah. I, I, now I'm wondering if like there was a piece of mail that the ghost didn't want to be delivered. Oh, interesting. And they were like searching through it Secret. looking for something. Yeah. It's like the college acceptance wow. letter that, or like the, the wrong, I don't know, the yeah. poor, the I report mean, the card. eyes and ears the of report the report cards coming in and they the can't card. let the museum curator know that they've been failing. Yeah. Or maybe it was just going to like expose them that maybe, maybe it was like a transfer to another museum <gasps> that was like accepted and they were like. No, I don't want to leave. You can't send me to a different museum. This is my house. <laughs> That's a really sweet – I like that. Yeah. But then sad at the same time. But there is a sad story behind all of this activity that finally clicked with me after the fact. In 1993 or 1994, a schizophrenic man broke into the museum when they were closed, but the director was there working. And this man was convinced that his wife was being held hostage in the basement of the oh, museum. No. He ended up holding the director hostage for several hours, and the police – had a standoff in the entryway with this man in the museum and unfortunately shot this man. <gasps> I had always thought that there might have been specific artifacts or the land itself that was causing these things to happen, but it recently dawned on me that maybe it had been oh. him the whole time, like his spirit. Yeah. I feel like this is the longest email and I haven't even made it to 2019. At the beginning of the last year, I began a management position at nine. 99's Museum of Women's Pilots in Oklahoma City. I no longer work there, but honestly, the spooky experiences that I had there are one of the only reasons I was sad about leaving. Immediately, I noticed the energy there, absolutely buzzing. It's a museum of female pilots who definitely had strong personalities, and at least once a day, I would experience the sensation of someone sticking their head over my shoulder as if they were saying, what you doing? <laughs> but not in a scary way, more like in a cute, sassy, broad kind of way. When that thing would happen, sound was blocked from my ear. Oh. Like when you put your hand up a few oh. inches away from your ear. I'm doing that right Go now. ahead and try it. And then she said, parentheses, wait two seconds. It's like that. Oh, my gosh. On Saturday, again with the Saturdays, I was up on the ladder painting over the doorway next to the front door. And I heard a woman clear as day and with both of my ear holes say, <laughs> I ought to have known better than to navigate that storm. It was so clear that I thought it was someone at the door about to walk in. So I got down off the ladder, getting ready to greet them, and nothing. I walk over to the window to see if there was a car in the parking lot with visitors. Nothing. It was awesome. <laughs> I had never heard anything like that. What I noticed in the voice, though, was how articulate it was. It was super Midwestern and middle-toned. Our voices tend to be deeper over time, and this sounded like a woman in her 30s or 40s. Over the next week, I tried to figure out who it might be. Most early pioneers in aviation unfortunately died in crashes, but these were usually in air shows that would have taken place during nice weather. I read about so many of the early aviators, and there's only one person who's associated with a storm of any kind, Amelia Earhart. I was wondering if they would be able to figure out who it was, but that's... I mean, I mean, if it was Amelia Earhart, incredible. Yeah. And then it right. makes me wonder like how, because there's no way Amelia Earhart, maybe, maybe Amelia Earhart's only haunting that museum. But in my mind, she's like haunting all over the place because she has connections to so many different places. Right. And so the fact that she just like popping in. Well, and also I feel like Jennifer's talking about the energy in this place and how it's just absolutely buzzing 
And I just picture it like being a place that Amelia Earhart or other spirits of of women who were kind of like pioneers in this in this industry wanted to congregate. It's yeah. just like, oh, let me go hang out with my fellow female aviators. Yeah, I love I like like to think that they have a little club, a female aviator club <laughs> that they all hang out. They walk around the museum and say, "Oh, like, you know, I didn't I never lived long enough to see a plane like this. How what was it like flying that?" Yeah. Right, right. They're like, "Oh, wow, they really upgraded the headgear and goggles. Yeah. I could barely see out of mine." <laughs> yeah. I like that this okay, is so our aviation writes- conversation because we know nothing else about Because <laughs> we know nothing. We're like, wow. Goggles. Nice. Yeah. Plane, new. Goggles, <laughs> new. Yeah. I'm sure it didn't go like that at all. We just literally know nothing. <laughs> this is the reason I've hesitated to email in the past. Saying that you heard Amelia Earhart will automatically bring up some questions but there's no doubt in my mind that it was her. After eliminating all of the other potential pilots that died in crashes that have artifacts in the museum, I was sitting at home and decided to revisit a documentary about her that I watched a couple years ago called Amelia Earhart, The Lost Evidence. It's on YouTube and it's fascinating. Check it out. I'm not going to get into all of the details, but there were some pretty cool historical arguments suggesting that she was blown off course, leaving Howland Island in 1937, crash landing on a small island, and being captured as a prisoner of war. The Japanese Navy already had a significant presence there at the time, so it's thought that she was captured by the Japanese and made a prisoner of war. I start watching the documentary, and within a few seconds, there's a clip of her speaking, and the moment she spoke, I knew (gasps) that that was the voice that I heard. Oh my god, The articulation, the tone. It was 1,000% her voice. I hear this, and I say aloud, oh my god. And the second I say it, there are two knocks on the closet door to my right, and it popped open, and then there were two knocks on my great-grandmother's phonograph player that I have in my room to the left, and I felt a hand on my shoulder, not pushing down, but softly squeezing front and back, and then a release. As I felt the hand on my shoulder, my dog, who was sleeping, shot up and just stared at me wide-eyed for a second before relaxing her eyes and laying back down. Okay, so Amelia Earhart is like your ghost pal <laughs> she's like yep that's me don't be scared knock knock knock, knock 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 hand on your shoulder hey <laughs> hey you were right it was me whoa the moment i felt the release on my shoulder i burst into tears in the way that i never have experienced it was like i saw her i felt her emotions and i felt the greatest heartbreak that i have ever known like being truly doomed whoa. i should mention that i've had cancer twice in my life so i've Felt doomed before, but not like this. And I cried for the next 24 (gasps) hours. I couldn't stop. My face was raw from wiping tears away, and I went to work at a museum and continued about my day. And then that next night, around 10 p.m., it just stopped, and I was fine. I can't explain it. I It was the most extreme empathy that I've ever experienced. And this is what got me through the next few months before quitting. I felt like I was helping share the story of these women. And a few weeks later, I was up on the same ladder in the same spot that I heard the voice and I thought I saw my intern walk into the office. I hopped down to ask him a quick favor and jogged into the office, but no one was there. I was right behind him, I thought. I just saw the top and back of their head, but it was short, dark, due with a collar similar to a hoodie or or maybe a flight jacket. One day, I was looking up when I reached for the front door to lock it, and I heard a woman say, come back here. Not in a spooky way. It was more like a lady trying to catch a taxi that was speeding away from her. Was it the same voice? Honestly, I couldn't tell because it was just so quick. But the tone was similar, but I can't be sure. 
it was interesting because I had my purse on and I was walking around. So it could have seemed like I was about to actually walk out the front door. Like I said, my time there ended abruptly, which is sad, but there are definitely spirits there that I was ready to hang out with for the long (laughs) haul. I haven't had anything happen in quite some time until last night when I was laying in bed. I was sleeping in a tee and my undies and it got too hot under the covers. I kicked one of my legs out and I rolled over to that in-between stomach and side position with my booty do was <laughs> but my booty but my booty do was front and center. Right as I'm dozing back off, I feel a single finger poke on the booty? Sorry. I feel a single finger poke me in the exact center of my right butt cheek. Oh. Without opening my eyes, I just shouted, nope. And I rolled back over, covering my head with the two warm covers and eventually falling back asleep. It didn't feel threatening or malicious, but more like a feisty grandparent playing a joke, <laughs> bopping your booper, if you will. I've been telling myself playful. all day that it was my maternal grandmother, Grandma Dot, trying to get my attention. I hope you enjoyed my stories. Stay spooky and see you on the other side, Jennifer. Okay, Jennifer, you have had so many experiences. And so many. all of them, for the most part, are positive. Like, I don't, I'm trying to think of any that were negative. That, I mean, not really. The only thing that could potentially be a little scary was like the male in the, in the slot. I mean, I guess, I guess any experience with the paranormal yeah. is scary because you're not expecting it. It's startling. But after the fact, you don't look back on it as like that was one of the scariest moments of my life. Right. Like you can look back with some fondness or fascination. And the spirits didn't seem to like want to harm her. But yeah. Like, the, yeah, exactly. The booty poke is my favorite because I always, you know, we had a long discussion way back when, like early on. About sleeping with your feet out of the covers and being afraid that like a demon was just going to grab them. And so right. we were like, well, what do you do? Because you need like some part of your body out of the covers. So we were like kneecap, you know. But in the hot summer months lately, I'm like a butt out of the covers. And like that's just the part of my body that's out. And I, if I'm a ghost, I would 100% poke the butt. Yeah. It's so tempting. There's so much space to poke yeah. in the booty. It's a big old thing. It's much better than Big old round toes. booty. Yeah. Big old round booty. It's like a good landing pad for a little <laughs> for a little poke. finger, a finger, a finger well, poke, a girl little finger, finger. A little finger, poke your finger, baby, a finger. <laughs> Give it a ping, <laughs> ping. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just incredible experiences from her yeah. grandparents and Amelia, all the love and support, and then Amelia Earhart. Cool, <laughs> hell yeah, I love how so cool. This is the best thing about you and I, Corinne. I'm gonna float our boats for a second. We just believe everything. True. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, no one's given me good enough reason to not believe. I know. I'm, I'm just like, there's no question in my mind. Like, I don't doubt it one bit. I'm like, yeah, Jennifer, no. it was Amelia Earhart. And she's, and now I believe full-heartedly that Amelia Earhart and you are bonded forever. And if you ever need her, she will come put her hand on your shoulder. Uh, yeah. It's just really fascinating, too. It makes me wonder if maybe she is spending time, like, in museums and with different artifacts and with people who who have a connection or, or like, historians mm-hmm. for her, if she's sticking around until the mystery of her disappearance is fully solved. Oh. And she's, like, trying to give bits and pieces here and there to people. Okay, like Amelia, the storm. Amelia, maybe Jennifer is going to solve Amelia's mystery. This is her purpose in life. She's Yeah. You got to write her autobiography for her. Like be the, oh, the, be scribe. the scribe for her. Ooh, Automatic writing. The, yes. Be the muse. Have her channel, have her channel through, through, you. through you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So amazing. 
A couple of weeks ago, I read an email from a listener about a 23andMe or Ancestry thing. Ooh. And we have another one. Really? Yeah. Oh, the, okay, wait. Not an update. A new a one. A new one. A new one. A new one. And I'm, wow. I'm just – Okay. I'm, I don't know. Maybe because I have a lot of my own family drama, I just love family drama. Well, it's all – it's like one of those things where it's like – why are there family secrets today? Because there's so many things that can expose that people just need to start get, getting it out. So Betsy wrote to us about a family scandal that came out. Okay, it's called Ancestry.com oh, okay. Strikes Again, DNA Family Scandal for Your Encounters episode. Okay. Hi, ladies. I'm currently listening to your Encounters 139 episode where you tell the story of one of your listeners' family scandals involving DNA testing on 23andMe. Welp, your call for similar stories has been heard loud and clear. Buckle up. Yes! Several years ago, my mom, who was obsessed with family lineage and all things DNA, got the entire family, me, my dad, two brothers, and my uncle, to spit in a tube to be shipped off to Ancestry.com. Fast forward several months, maybe even a year, and I'm over at my parents' house when my mom casually tells me that Ancestry.com is telling her she has a sister. According to this website, this woman, I'm going to call her Sally, had a high enough DNA match to my mom that she was either her aunt, niece, or half-sister. All those family members would theoretically share the same amount of DNA with you. We tried to do some digging but couldn't really find any connection to this alleged sister. And on top of the lack of evidence, Sally was well into her 70s and 80s or 80s and wasn't really reachable via the internet. So we started to move on, but within a matter of days, I got an email from Ancestry notifying me that I got a message to my account. I go to see what it is, and lo and behold, I have a completely different lady, let's call her Dina, claiming to be my aunt, aka my mom's half-sister. I asked her if she knew Sally, and she goes, oh yeah, Sally's my aunt. So after a long stint of back and forth and getting Dina connected with my mom, we all realized that my grandma had an affair with Dina's dad well after my mom was born. Dina and my mom are about 10 years apart. So that means that Dina and my mom share a dad and my mom learned the man who raised her was not actually her biological father. Wow. Unrelated, but also very much related. Wait. Wait. I'm very confused. Okay. So... Because if the Wait, mom so does that mean the that they're they're full siblings? No. Wait, they don't they don't share a dad. They share a mom, right? The mom had the affair. The the grandma had an affair with Dina's dad, which is but then it says that means Dina and my mom share a dad, and the man that raised her was not actually her biological father. So that would mean that Dina's her full sister. I'm very confused. I, Why is this hard? I think okay, yes. wait. Okay, so Dina so okay. Betsy's mom, Betsy's mom's mom. Mm-hmm. had an affair with okay. Dina's dad. So, okay, Betsy's mom's mom had an affair with this man and had both Dina and Betsy's mom, meaning that Dina and Betsy's mom are full sisters. Oh. Okay, here's why I'm confused, is if they're full sisters, did did, did Betsy, was she raised fully, or was Betsy's mom raised fully by her dad and not her mom? Because you're the it's so much easier for a man yeah. to impregnate many people and and but you can't be pregnant and have and a child hide and the then, fact that you have a child unless like the parents separated and so Betsy's mom's mom was gone for a couple of years 
But then what happens to the Okay, we we need more <laughs> We need answers. more questions. Yeah. We need we, way more wait, information here. I just said we need more questions. I need more answers. My brain has too many <laughs> questions. We have more questions. Okay. So I to. think it is that yes, so Dina's Dina and then Betsy's mom are full sisters is what I'm interpreting this as. Okay. Yeah. The we logistics, just don't understand how that happened. Yes. How they were raised yes. unaware we of We have each questions. Other. Yeah. Yes. Unrelated, but also very much related. Before we found out any of this, it has always been a running joke, but was also very much believed that my mom's oldest brother, she has two brothers, was a half sibling because my grandma refused to marry my grandpa for a long time. So the theory is that she got pregnant by a sailor passing through and finally gave in to marry my grandpa so that she wouldn't have a baby out of wedlock. If this is true, my mom and both of her brothers all have different dads. So Betsy's mom's mom. So Betsy's grandma was uh, having some fun. Yeah. Sleeping around. Well, yeah. Good for her. And keeping it a secret. <laughs> yeah. I have I have a relative who has a, a similar similar upbringing, but was aware that all of the siblings had oh. different fathers, but just didn't n- – they weren't always sure, like, who who their dad was or who was what. And Whoa. so 23andMe solved it for that. Wow. Ugh. For that, that that's cool. But at least they they went in knowing what they were looking for. Yeah. Like, this is truly this is like a, a surprise. Oopsie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, circling back to the new scandal unleashed on our family, we learned all of this shortly before the holidays. My mom's family is who we see around Christmas, so we all thought it was going to be a more drama-filled evening than usual. But when it fi- finally came time for her to spill her guts, nobody seemed all that surprised or interested. I guess with my grandma's what? past and the ongoing family rumor about my uncle's parentage, it was not as hot of gossip, gossip as we figured it would be. LOL. After asking my mom if she was okay when she found out that her dad wasn't really her dad, she said, At first I was shocked, but that quickly faded because he's the man who raised me, so he'll always be my dad. Thanks yeah. for taking the time to give this a read. I'm a relatively new listener, but I love the pod. You always keep me interested and entertained and inspired me to launch my own paranormal podcast, DFWG podcast. Keep up the good work. Stay spooky. And remember to be wary of sending in your DNA. You never know what family secrets will come back with the results. Betsy. Wow. I mean, that is. Yeah, I guess like just figuring out. That's one of the things I didn't think think about when when something when you get matched with a relative, there's still a lot of investigation to happen because it doesn't just say like you have a sister. It's like you could this person could be also your aunt Mm -hmm. or your sister or like you have to figure out how things happened and the lineage. But I guess the good thing for them is that there were already some people paired up who had figured a lot out. So they got answers really quick. Yeah. I think the worst thing that could happen, I mean, it's, it's awful to find out like a relative you thought was someone in your life is actually not who they say they were or whatever. Like th- that's a really tough pill to swallow, I think. But I think the worst thing would be to find out that like a family member of yours is a serial killer. Oh, I was going to say switched at birth. Oh, that's pretty bad too. Like, like an accidental <gasps> oh. hospital switch where like your family truly has no idea Oh my gosh. Not biologically there's, theirs. And there's another family out there that also has that same mystery. There's a movie that came out this past year called Parallel Mothers, and it's very much that story. And it's very sad because one of the babies dies like very, very young. Oh, oh, that is really yeah, sad. But it's a great right, movie. Well, I'll look it up. But I think to your point, it would be awful to find out if you had a relative that was a serial killer if you knew the relative. Mm. Like if it I feel like if it came out that was like your your DNA. I don't know. 
I feel like if I like knew I was distantly, distantly related to a serial killer, I'd be like, that's pretty fucked up, but also. Oh, I thought you were going to say fucking cool. But also <laughs> a little cool, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. it's really disturbing. No one wants for anyone to yeah. be a mass murderer or kill anybody. But it's also like, it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, it's like the, what is it? Like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon or five degrees. I can't, right. I can never remember what it is. Like a lot of people probably are just yeah. like related in some way to a murderer. So I'm not saying my dad's a murderer. Like I know he's not a serial killer. But my dad is a man of – All right, everyone. This is the last episode we ever get to do because uh, exposing way too many family secrets. Wait, why? Okay, no. Say? I was going to say is my, my dad is just a man of mystery. He's lived all over the world. He's had multiple wives that he didn't necessarily tell us all about. He has other kids. I there is, you know, and he's at least you know about the kids. The, I know about those two. I don't know if there's any others out there. Yeah, true. And he's also true. he he's also just not the most forthcoming about his life. So I do sometimes wonder if he were to put his DNA into a twenty three and me, what would um populate? How many people? You might have a lot of siblings. This would actually be pretty cool figure out. I would just feel bad for all my siblings. You would know because you've done 23 But they're probably young, right? Younger. He likes younger women. It would take a while. Yeah. And you also have to, I think you have to toggle on that other people can reach out to you, that you can be like matched with potential relatives, right? Mm. Because I don't think I toggled that on for myself because I was at the place where I was like, I don't want the responsibility (laughs) of like I can't take this explaining on. Explaining things to long distance cousins and whatnot. But now I'm kind of like, hmm, maybe. Maybe I will turn it on. A new hobby. Be kind of interesting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, we have a lot more questions. Yeah. Betsy, uh, we need to know everything. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more. Tell us the drama. Tell us the dramas. Okay. This is called These Scary Ass Kids See Everything. Hey, ladies, let me start out by saying I love your podcast. I work night shift at an optical lab, and your creepy stories and silly banter get me through my long shifts. This might be kind of long, so let me jump to my stories. It's not long. (laughs) But saying that. In the 70s, my mom lived in an old farmhouse in the middle of nowhere in Quebec in a town called St. Pierre de Wakefield. My sister was about three or four when she approached my mom and in French said, Mama, who is that man? Oh. My mom has always been a believer, so immediately she calls to the landlord. What is the landlord's response? Oh, that's not a man. That's my mother-in-law. Watch out. She's a bitch. Oh. Now, this is when any normal person would get the fuck out of there, but no, my mom stayed. The next day, the woman, man to be my sister, had a dog with her. So with another phone call, my mom was told that the dog had been killed by a farmer when he was caught on his property. Oh, no. Just a few of the experiences that they've had are listed below. The spirit asked my sister to go into a door hinge with her. My mom said immediately, never go anywhere with a spirit. Yeah, this feels very Coraline, doesn't it? My response every time that I've heard the story was, what in the world resides in a door hinge? 
They used this woman's previous room as a guest room, and the people who slept there always complained of creepy, dark feelings. During a jam session, one of their guests decided that she was ready for bed before her husband, and then she felt so uneasy laying in the bedroom that she decided to stay up. As she approached the stairs, she said something pushed her. She fell down an entire flight of stairs, and thankfully, she walked away with only scrapes and some bruising. But I can only guess that she was scarred for life. After this experience, my mom decided to use this room for storage. About a year later, she was sitting on the toilet, and she said she was thinking, not out loud, only thinking of making this bedroom a guest room again. As she was thinking this, her boxes that she had stacked up all fell over. All of them. All of them. Not enough to make you want to relocate yet? (laughs) Well, one night my mom had blown out her last candle and was out of matches because, yep, this house wasn't creepy enough in the light. (laughs) But it didn't have electricity. Anyway, she blew the candle out, yelled for the dog, the living one. And waited. He always followed her upstairs, but not tonight. She goes on a hunt for him, and where is he? He's hiding under the table, trembling. She runs with him to the bedroom where my sister was sleeping and just starts thinking that she wished her boyfriend, my sister's dad, would come home. And she said that she closed her eyes and repeated, come home, Denis, come home, Denis. He was at a local bar when he got the feeling that he needed to come home ASAP. When he got home, they shared their stories and finally decided that it was time for them to move. On the last day in the home, my sister stood by a mirror that had been hanging in the same spot that they moved in. My mom, to her boyfriend, said, don't forget that mirror your dad bought us. The mirror crashes to the ground. My sister walked away without a scratch. She is now 42 and remembers nothing. But on to my last story, just a little backstory. My parents split when I was three and my dad moved back in with his mother and three of his brothers. So I was raised in this home part-time and came to be very close with all of them. Unfortunately, they were all alcoholics and three of them passed when I was 12. Aww. Starting with my dad and all within seven months of oh each other. Oh my gosh. The remaining brother had been sent to prison and lived there until I was 19, and a brand new mommy to a boy who my uncle called Little Larry, after him, of course. Little Larry. He would walk me out to the car when I was pregnant and place one hand on my back and one on my belly, telling me to move slow because I had special cargo in there. And he'd plan to take on the grandpa role because that's what my dad would want him to do. Mm. Unfortunately, four months later, after I had my son, whom I did not name Little Larry, (laughs) my uncle was diagnosed with liver cancer. And he was gone in two weeks. Oh, my God. My grand buried four of her children. Enough of the sadness. Now on to the good stuff. When my son was 10 months old, we were walking home alone. And out of nowhere, he began repeating, the man, the man, while shaking his head no. I helped him and he cringed and continued shaking his head and squeezing his eyes shut. I immediately called my mom, knowing that she had experience, and I asked her what to do. Tell it to leave your son the F alone. So I did just that. And silence. My son stopped. Whoa. He stayed in my lap, but he was no longer cringing, no longer screaming. Fast forward a few days later, and we're leaving our apartment. And what does my son say? Mommy, the man's coming. This went for a little over a year. It was always, open the door for the man. Here comes the man. And he would play in his room for hours with the man. Oh, my gosh. He was no longer scared, so I left it alone. Fast forward a few years. We hadn't heard about the man since he was about three, and he was now five. When one day, flipping through old photos with my grand, he stopped on a page and said, Mom, do you remember the man? That's the (gasps) man, Mom. Oh, my gosh. I had to look for my grand to tell me who it was. It was my uncle in his late teens and early 20s, and my heart melted knowing that my son got more time with my uncle than we thought. And he was the one who said he was going to be the grandfather and, like, he was going to play that role. Oh, gosh. Yes. 
See you on the other side, Alicia. Wow. Alicia, I'm so sorry for your losses. It sounds so tragic. And I can't imagine losing all those people in such a short amount of time. That's really tough. But I love that even though your son was scared of the man, because I mean, that's unsettling. And I wonder what the man was saying, what your uncle was saying to him. But the fact that he was able to put it together, that's like the best kind of story. The he, yeah, the, the fact that he remembered too, like it was it was enough time spent and enough of like an impression and imprint made on him that he could remember from three years old what this guy looked yeah. like two years later. There's a lot going on in, ki- in a kid's life yeah. and for him to be able to remember and be like, oh, that's him. Remember him? I haven't seen him in a long time, but I remember the man. That's, and that's the man. That's the man. Wow. And then really amazing. That first place that her mom lived in. Oh my God, I know. So the being pushed down the stairs and like being okay, but that's so physical. The mirror coming crashing down, like this is a right really malicious, angry spirit, and also trying to go into the door hinge. It's like it was that like a portal? Like is that how they're gonna like steal the souls of the children in this home? Ew, I don't like that. I know it's very creepy to think about. Yeah. Oh. Oh, and the poor dog, so scared. I know. I'm glad they finally left, and that. I know. Her mom and Denis were like on the same wavelength of being able to connect to one another and be oh. like, oh, something is wrong. Right. That's so cool. It does make me wonder if that was a result of being in the home, if there was some sort of like paranormal portal vortex thing that kind of like what amped up. What am I trying to say? Like I'm I'm losing the word for this, but basically like elevating people's abilities. Yeah, yeah. Or is her mom just always that open and mm. able to connect? With people. Or just like the idea of being with a partner, if you're like that in love and intimate together, you can, you just have this connection with one another mentally. Yeah. You just know. It's kind of like parents, like the parents' intuition, the mother's intuition, where you just like, you just know things. You just know. Whoa. Okay. This is, this kind of ends up turning into like a, um, a story time with photos. Oh, okay. But it begins with a story. It is from our listener. Raquel, and it is called Incubus, Past Lives, and Meeting with the Devil. Hello, my spooky ladies. My name is Raquel from the good old land, Canada, and I have a very interesting life. Before we get started, I've been listening to your podcast for about three years now, and it gets me through the boring train rides post-Mizrona and days at school, even if you two scare the hell out of me. As I'm writing, (laughs) I'm sitting bored out of my mind in my animation class while listening to Encounters 86. Now, a little background about me. My family, mostly my dad's side, is very open to the paranormal, causing some sides of the family to get a little topsy-turvy. My dad and his sisters used to live in a haunted house. One of my aunts would play with a shadow man in the corner, and the dead doctor upstairs would wave to them. My grandma could have possibly been abducted by little greys, and my deceased older cousin still likes to be in his younger sibling's life time to time. But those are not what we're talking about today. What? A thing has been pushing itself in my mind, and I just need to get this out. Okay. Okay. This story is called Incubitch. We're going to (laughs) get real deep and personal. So this all started on November 24th, 2019. I remember because I posted it on Reddit. I'm 15 at the time of this story. Ever since I first moved into the house I live in, still to this day, I always knew about some kind of presence in my room. It's always cold in my room and even creepier in my closet is the opening to the attic. Six-year-old little me knew something was sus. 
Like most people my age, I was depressed about my relationship status and had the self-confidence of a flea. I never really liked how I looked. I was really insecure because I looked a little thicker than most girls my age. This night, I fell asleep at 11.30. My mom works late and I hate sleeping home alone. And I kept waking up from flashing nightmares. They were like one of those layered dreams. The nightmare stopped, or so I thought, and I shifted over to my side. I have this huge stuffed dog, so I hugged him, and I was lying on my stomach a bit. But then I started to get this really weird feeling, and I remember looking at my dark ceiling and feeling like I was wide awake, and I had never had sex in my life, so I was really weirded out, but after a few seconds, I knew what it was. At that time, I felt pounding as my pelvic started to rise. It was like someone was grabbing me, and I couldn't move. I tried to scream, but I couldn't. Then something happened. I don't know how, but I broke out of this barrier. I've moved my elbow and moved onto my back. It felt like there was a barrier of energy surrounding me, like I forced it to release me, and then everything stopped. I looked around my dark room and hid under the covers. I know, Demon Repellent 101. I stayed like that for a bit, and then I screamed to my mom, and she had me sleep in her room with her. I remember how shaky I was that night. I was beyond terrified, and I slept with my mom for almost a month until my room got staged by a friend who was a Reiki master. Now, here's why I'm pretty sure I manifested it. Well, for almost a year before I became fascinated with spirits, I even made a story based off of them. I'm a writer. The Incubus was a trope in the anime community, so I fell in the bandwagon. Every lunch period, I would read articles about them, I would watch YouTube videos about them, etc. But thank God I actually learned about them, or I wouldn't have been so informed about them. But maybe that's a double-edged sword. This Incubus crept its way inside my brain, using my curiosity to its advantage. It waited and stayed with me until I was insecure enough to attack. I previously learned that they attack when you're the most delicate. I also learned that they ask for consent in your dreams, so maybe I gave it to it unknowingly. But I'm happy to say a year Mm. later, I'm more comfortable with my body and myself. In quarantine, I was able to self-reflect more. The saying to myself, you know, love yourself before loving someone else is really true. I'm not in a relationship, but I've become good friends with someone I've been crushing on. So I'm doing so much better without that leech of an incubitch in my life. At times, I kind of miss it, but I know it's for the best. I try not to think about it, and I wish I could say that was the only thing that happened to me, but nope. I see shadow figures around my house, and I even caught a big one on a Polaroid when I was playing in my room. I used to be super freaked out by them, but now I just openly tell them to fuck off. Short story, but I was singing in my echoey stairwell, and a dark, sunken face flew around me. I acknowledged it, but told it to fuck off and continued to sing for another half an hour. A few nights ago, while vibing out to some music in my living room, I then saw a dark blob humanoid thing pop from the kitchen to look at me and then pop out of sight in an instant. I told myself to keep vibing and then continue rocking out. I love this. (laughs) Just like, whatever. Just everything that happens, whatever. Whatever. Next, shall I talk about my psychic mom? My mom's the type of person that thinks learning about your past lives are creepy, but for me, it's the complete opposite. Thanks, dad, for letting me watch Chucky when I was seven. So this started before I was born and my mom was with her old dressmaker. The dressmaker suddenly asked my mom to read her tea leaves. My mom asked the lady why, but the lady was like, I just feel like it's part of your energy. So when my mom read it, everything seemed to be true. It turns out my mom can read tea leaves and coffee grounds, and I've seen her do this a few times. It's really interesting. I keep asking her to do it more often, but she doesn't. That is so cool that... Her dressmaker was like, I can tell based on your energy, you can read these tea leaves. Yeah. 
And also, how? How? Like, is it? I want to know what the process is of reading tea leaves. Like, do you genuinely have to learn what the messages are, or does it just come to you and it just travels through you, and you have literally no idea what you're doing? It just like comes out of your your being. You just know. Interesting. I don't know because if you're chosen, you're the chosen because one. Because it's kind of like tarot, right? Yeah. Like you can you can learn tarot and like what true. combinations mean. But you don't always – there's other people that are much more, like, in tune and can also feel based on, like, the you and the spirits around you. Yeah, kind of know. like tarot is just aiding them in their reading of you. Right. Whereas tea leaves, it feels like the spirit has to come through you. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Raquel says, past life regression. I did the same past life hypnosis online as you guys or as you did, Corinne. And I got some results. I even drew some pictures based on what I saw. I'm not the best artist, but I'll link them below. For a 16-year-old kid, I have an old soul. It was August 6, 2020. It was nighttime. I was home alone and decided to try a session online because you guys inspired me. I popped in my headphones, got in a comfy position, and started listening. At one point, the right side of my body started shaking and burning. I had to open my eyes and shake it off because it hurt so much. Fun fact, I've always had problems with my right side. I have a brain injury and the surgery affected my coordination. So I switched over to my left side after and had to relearn everything. I have cerebral cavernous malformation, CCM. I was born with it. I still don't feel connected to my right side like I do to my left. It's like all the light bulbs are there are just constantly flickering. End of fun fact. I had a hard time. I have a habit of constantly daydreaming like I can't turn it off. But eventually I was able to relax and sink deep down. And this is what I saw. So the first scene was all in third person. I was this little boy, 10 years old or so. I forgot what my hair color was. I first saw blonde shoulder length, but then later saw brown But I remember the clothes. It was a dark colored vest, like blue, some kind of dark trousers, a white collar with puff sleeves, and a pink flat bow around my neck. I was also wearing boots that were dark too. I was kneeling down by some flowers in an closed garden. Hello, Lei. I remember the iron gate. It then pans up to what looked like stone brick towers on a huge hill covered in flowers and plants. And this is the photo. This is where it becomes a photo session. Oh, okay. The second scene was in first person, but I couldn't feel the ground beneath my feet. It was like I was floating. I ran past a couple, a woman in a whitish gold dress and had a matching fan. She had the brightest red lipstick on and an obviously fake mole beside the lips and big platinum blonde (laughs) hair. I remember her shocked expression when looking down at me. Behind her holding her waist was a man in a white long wig who also had a mole, but I'm pretty sure that one was real. I forget his suit, but I want to say that it was in the color scheme of red, blue, and white. But then I checked it out, and it's the French Revolutionary Army uniform. It's the one with the two crosses in the media. Interesting note, I'm related to an aristocratic military family from the French Revolution. So could I have been an old family member from back in the day? And she sent this That's so cool. Photo. Oh my gosh. Wow. And then it's also interesting to think this is what the couple looked like. So fascinating. Like the fact that they looked down, like the couple, the woman looked down and was shocked to see them makes me think that they weren't supposed to be there. Yeah. Like maybe Raquel that it is like running through her past lives actively. Right. Oh, interesting. Or maybe that mm-hmm. one. Because that one she said was in first person, whereas the first one was in third person. Right. Okay. Huh. So the third images or scene that Raquel saw was I ran down a dark hallway of tall rose bushes, and at the end of the roses was a blinding white light. She drew this. Come here. Oh, my God. 
Do you want to come here? He's like, let me see. Come here. Oh, my gosh. Aw. Wow. girl. Okay. Fourth, I was older, like a teenager, like 17 or 18, and I proposed to a girl. I remember she had long hair, a small gold band around her head, and a pink flowy dress, and the proposal was in a courtyard. Oh, so she's seen like all these phases. Maybe it's all from one life. Oh, like different that phases. That is really interesting. Yeah. Okay. Because then huh. this, the okay, then this one's labeled another life. After that, I started getting the locations of England and Malaysia. I remember walking through the street. It was a war-torn village, but all of the buildings were destroyed and rubble was all over the floor. And then in another scene, I remember working at a bakery. I was on a stand outside and a lot of people liked it. That's cool. I still remember how it looked. Once again, I was a little boy, but I was like 12 or something with light, short brown hair. I was wearing a vest with a striped collar, trousers, knee-high socks, and some shoes. I was also wearing a leather messenger bag type of thing. I had a quick realization. When I was 13, I went through a bit of an identity crisis and was feeling a bit dysphoric for a while. Although it was just because I was insecure about myself and I thought life would be better, but it makes me think, maybe since I was a boy in my two past lives and all of a sudden now I'm a girl, my energy was adjusting to my gender. This is another, this is the picture. I love the visual aid. Me too. And we're also, getting. Raquel, you're- It's really helping me piece it all together. I wish I could draw like this. This is incredible. Also- And also, what a good record too for mm-hmm. her to have handy. Yeah. And be like, okay, now it can, I can look back on the experiences and dreams that I had and remember what yes. I looked like and what I was experiencing. I'm also curious because this is really cool. Like it has notes about what she was seeing on the page with the drawings. So I'm curious if- Raquel, did oh. you do these while you were going through the regression or did you do after? Okay. So then this is, I think, the last story. So this was a random dream, but I woke up with the thought of the devil speaking to me. The background was much more dim and there was fire everywhere. I was right in front of it in a conference sort of style. I don't know how I had imagined this. I had never had a job before. I have no idea what they said, but I drew this scene later in art class. And yeah, my teacher will never look at me the same. Oh my God. A conference with the devil. (laughs) I also recently heard my soulmate from my desired reality when listening to an audio. Really cool, but made me super uncomfy. Wait, I need to know, what does that mean? Heard my soulmate. I don't know. Is that sort of like alternate timelines where you are trying to like jump to the timeline that has what you're looking for, your ultimate oh, soulmate. That's so interesting. And you can communicate with them. I know we we okay, need to we need more. I don't know what that is. Since writing this email, I've been putting it off for a week. I've recently got a scary experience happen to me. A few nights ago, I saw something trying to shift realities. Whoa, okay, so maybe you're right. It was it's like shifting realities. Mm. I've never heard of this. Okay. I used the heartbeat method. I need to know more. Putting on heartbeat ASMR on YouTube under my pillow and then imagining you're laying on someone's chest. And I fell asleep with thoughts of sleeping on my best anime boy's chest. A good thought, right? Well, I woke up with a panic attack. I checked my phone under my pillow. It was still there and it was 3.36 a.m. The witching hour just added to my panic attack and I tried to get up from my bed to crawl into my mom's bed, but I collapsed on the floor. I guess the falling of my bones in this large meat suit woke up my mom because she (laughs) ran to my room. My legs just instantly felt like noodles. They felt heavy. My mom picked me up, and after a few more minutes of me falling, I was in my mom's bed. I didn't hear it, but apparently I was babbling nonsense. I remember falling into two short-second long dreams before feeling nauseous. (gasps) What if this is like you, what you experienced when you're getting your blood drawn? Falling into them. 
Ooh. Eventually, I oh, keep going. fell asleep, but the next day I felt really on edge. When I was telling my friend about these stories in art class, immediately after listening to your podcast, the audio started getting all groggy and messed up. I find that since I started this email, I've been getting messed with more and more, and I've been getting in increase in nightmares. And th- oh, that no. just it just ends. I hope you enjoyed my stories. Um, thank you for reading this astronomically long email and being my best ghoul friend when I'm feeling lonely. And then she has her Instagram, riku.art15 on Instagram if you want to see more of my art. See you on the other side, Raquel. Um, <laughs> okay. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. I guess, I mean, I guess there are no answers, right? It's like none. We're hearing what she's experiencing and she doesn't understand and we don't understand exactly what it all adds up to mean. Right. What the heck? It is really interesting. Like I do, I am going back to the past life regression. I am wondering what the answer is to your question before. Like was she Mm -hmm. experiencing different lives or different periods of the same timeline? Yeah. I mean, it does seem like because the way Raquel separated the stories, it felt like the first four scenes were from the same life, like all the way through the proposal. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I don't know. I don't know. There's something about past lives where I'm like, I kind of want to know, especially since she was talking about her hip or her right side of her body in this life. Like, I'm curious if something happened to her in a past life that's transcended. Especially, like, what if she was in the war? Yeah. She did see the woman and the soldier. Like, what if that was yeah. she was seeing herself? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Raquel. Because maybe there was like an injury sustained during the war. And that's why there was so much attention to that one particular life because there was the the trauma and the pain was supposed to be explained or like there was an attempt to tap in specifically to to what has rolled over to her current life. Uh, What I've decided is, Raquel, you were like so in tune with the other side and have – like the way her mom can read tea leaves, I think Raquel can travel between timelines. Right, because she's getting so much out of this. Yeah. Like, there's so much being shown. And even just when she was having the dreams where she was, like, slipping quickly. Yeah. Having these, like, two-minute dreams. She she can get there. Like, she's in the astral plane. Yes. She's doing something. She, now she just needs to conquer like, the control of it and being able to give direction to, like, what she wants to see and where she wants to go. I'm here for this journey. Yeah, me too. Well, I want to astrally hold your hand as you continue on it. Yes. This is – I need to find the piece of paper, but I – you know what? Never mind. I'm not going to talk about it. Well, here. Excuse me. I'll look into it more. I'll look into it more. But I do know someone who was telling me about how they – you know in the movie Soul? Yeah. Where basically like there's the people in the current world that are – they're they're like astral projecting mm-hmm. and helping other souls who are kind of like lost yeah. work through their trauma or their past and move on. Uh-huh. I know someone who does this. <gasps> and she only told me on like what was kind of sort of the last time I would see her-ish mm-hmm. in, in like a long time. I'm trying to like not expose who she is, okay. but like give you enough description to be like, it's not someone who, you know, I see often or talk to often, but that I know. And so she wrote down some things for me. And I need to find the piece of paper because I was like, I really need to research this and I need to get back to her and I need her to teach me how to do this. Okay. But she's also done like insane energy and shadow work and has worked on this for like years and years. And she's so much more powerful. But yeah, she's like at this point where she can basically like, she helps people's souls. And it's really interesting because she was saying how she, she will help like people who are who are alive and living because fragments of people's souls from trauma. How have I never heard this? I think because I haven't. Do I know who this person is? 
No, oh, you do not. Oh, okay. You do not. But she was saying how she like works with therapists and, and people in the like, mental health field to help go into the astral plane and find pieces that have like – of people's souls that have like chipped off from trauma and find them and like heal them and help them come back and like rejoin their main soul. And then that helps helps the living person basically – work through their trauma it's that is incredible there's a name for it though which is why i'm like where's the piece of paper okay i we should do a whole episode about this yeah yeah okay i'll I'll text her and be like can she come i know the piece of paper she wrote it in a card right i know we should have her on yeah wait that is so fascinating yeah but this kind of reminding me like i feel like raquel can go like this is the direction that she's Yeah. This is she'd be fully capable of doing this. Yes, one hundred percent. That is so fascinating. So fascinating. There's a movie in that. (laughs) There is. Yeah, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write it. Oh wait, I thought you were saying that there was already a movie. Like this is this should be a movie. It's gonna be a horror movie, and I'm gonna write it. Okay. All right. Well, I'll write it with you. I'll be your all consult. I love it. Well, and we'll have our the actual person who knows all this. Yes, be the consultant. Give us all the insights. Okay. I have one called Ghost Experience While Listening to Your Podcast. Hi, ladies. My name is Beanie, and I live in El Paso, Texas. So my ghost experience actually happened while I was listening to your podcast. Mm. So I go to University of Texas in EP, UTEP, and while at the student union when I was waiting for a class to start, I was listening to your podcast and ended up falling asleep. After what I assume was a few minutes, I experienced sleep paralysis. Oh, no. However, this time was quite a bit different. On a side note, I fell asleep on a carpeted area of the building where people do actually go to hang out between classes, <laughs> catch up on sleep, or homework or whatever. I actually I'm just imagining like I was her being asleep in the middle of like a, a room and people are like, um, yeah. hello? She's like at like the little like cafe, yeah. like coffee shop and she's just knocked out. Actually, I don't know who can fall asleep like that. There are some people that are just like fully. I have. I feel like drunk. Done that on like a plane. Do that or in the car, and it hurts. Yeah, all the way back like that. Yeah, that's that's a skill. It hurts. I slump forward. Yeah. Okay. So in the sleep paralysis, I had actually felt like I was being dragged by my leg on or around the carpet. I could feel the carpet like scraping on my face. What? And a tugging on my leg, and this continued on and off for maybe three to six minutes. So after the dragging sensation stopped, still unable to really move, I was able to look around and I saw that there was this ghost girl around the corner just looking at me. Oh my gosh. She was dressed in a plain white dress that seemed to have been stained with dirt. All of this happened while listening to your podcast. Your podcast was still playing. As I was looking at the ghost girl, I kind of like tuned in and started listening to what you guys were saying as my mind didn't seem to have been listening before. And coincidentally, you guys were talking about this little ghost girl (gasps) and her story. You seem to describe a ghost girl, and I remember there being mention of an old wood house. And I can't remember in detail, though, because dreams get kind of foggy. And after this experience, I actually woke back up. I rewound the podcast to where I left off and where I drifted off. And strangely enough, there was no mention of a ghost girl or child ghost in that particular episode. Stop. Nor was there mention of the house described. I don't know if my mind made up something while I was in sleep paralysis, but what I do know is that it distinctly sounded like your guys' voice. It really spooked me. It actually happened during an earlier episode. It was episode eight, Hiking Buddies. What do you guys think? I love y'all's podcast. It's actually the only one I've listened to consistently. 
from Biani. I wonder if this if this is like deja vu of some weird kind or like this made me think that our podcast because it's what we've learned is clearly it's able to be manipulated very easily by spirits. Yeah. I was thinking that maybe this little ghost girl is on the campus and this was like her way of being able to tell her story was in the sleep paralysis and using our using voices, our voices. And podcasts to like stitch it together into her story so that BNE would actually hear it and listen to it and re- like receive it. We were the we were the conduit. We were, we were the, the conduit we were being channeled. And we didn't even know it. Yeah. Isn't that cool? It is. It's also frightening and the like weird being dragged feeling I don't love for Beanie. Ugh, yeah, that's true. And I'm curious Ugh. if that's – old, but I do wonder if that's like the little ghost girl trying to like share her story in a different way. Like she first tried to be like I was dragged. Right. Or like hurt in a way. Yeah. And then it wasn't fully getting through to Beanie and it was like, well, now I'm going to tell you my story through the podcast. Oh, oh, that's interesting. It was just like, yeah, like the little girl was just going through the different ways to get her story out. Oh my gosh. Hmm. Uh, the dragging too, it also, like, I guess I'm thinking a couple of things. Like maybe it was the little girl too. Yeah. I don't know how aggressively it would, she, Beanie felt like she was being pulled. Right. But part of me thought of like a little kid, like giving mm. like a little tug, like trying to wake you up. Oh, that's interesting too. Basically. Hello, Beanie. Yeah. Huh. But then the other part of me is remembering our friend Nikita's story of when she, Thought yeah. she was just having a dream mm. and was like literally dragged and woke up. Yeah, like that's horrifying. Rug burns all down her body. Okay. I should have planned this better, but we're not going to end on a happy note. Oh, great. Okay. This is from our listener, John, and it is called The Demon That Ruined My Life That Lived in an Old Well. Hello, hey. ghost girls. My name's little John Wayne. LOL, yes. My name's John Wayne, like the Duke on the Old Westerns. <laughs> and sorry for the story being so long. I started listening to you guys about a year ago, and you're amazing and very beautiful, but I have a story for you girls. I was around 14 years old, and my dad just bought an old store that was built on old land. The building was over 100 years old at the time, and now it's 120-some years old. Well, he was looking around, and we found what we thought was an old well. It had rocks that was in the ground and was in a circle, and my father and I were thinking, it's a real well, or maybe it's just rocks that are stuck in the ground. So my dad said, hey, let's see if a real one, and he grabs a long metal rod and went to stab the ground. And I said, no, dad, stop. I want to do it, which was a bad idea. (laughs) So I grabbed the metal rod and stabbed the ground, and as soon as I did, water bugs started coming out of the ground, like hundreds of them. Oh, this is exactly what I pictured. You know the movie The Mummy and how like the scarabs come out of the ground? That is the way it was. So I jumped back Mm. and all of a sudden felt really, really weird. See, I come from a family that hated drugs and alcohol, and I said I would never do it. And I mean never. And I shook it off me and went into the house and thought nothing of it. Well, a week went by, and I wanted to smoke and drink and wanted to just go and do bad things. And I did. Years went by, and I became an addict for over about 20 years. So I look back, and I thought about the well. And I think now that the demon or spirit or whatever it was attached itself to me and wouldn't let go. So I went to a green witch in another county that my aunt had told me about. And as soon as I go into her shop, she looks at me and says, you have something bad attached to your back, and it is a black shadowy figure that will not let go. I have seen the figure more than once. I've seen it thousands of times, really. So I start to freak out and ask a ton of questions. And she goes, come, sit down, please calm down because I was going a little wild. So she sits me down and talks to me and tells me to go home, take sage, 
to burn it and take a broom and sweep my house and sweep it out the door while burning the sage. So I did it, and I'm a religious man, but I believe in the paranormal because, trust me, I know it's real. I asked for help from God, and I did as the woman had told me, and something happened to me. I felt like a big weight lifted off my shoulder and my back. From that day forward, I have been five and a half years sober, and after the first year of being sober from drinking, I got my life back. Whatever this thing was has had a hold on me for over 20 years, and I'm so happy that I was able to get away from it. Thank you girls for the podcast. It has helped me so much just to hear other stories. It makes me realize I'm not the only one that has stuff like this happen to me. Thanks so much. I'll see you on the other side. Thanks from John Wayne from Kentucky. Wow, John Wayne. Oh my God. This is so, I, I mean, the fact that I don't blame John at all for freaking out when when finding out that what he thought he was experiencing and seeing for a long time is very much being experienced by someone else and is true. Yeah, 100%. And it's like, here is this like dark, demon attached yeah. to you. That's horrifying to hear. And also the fact that like the day he did all of the cleansing and prayers and swept away the darkness, he was able to become sober. Like one, congratulations. What an amazing feat to be able to overcome yeah, an addiction huge. like that. But it just, to me, reassures the fact that like this darkness had such a hold over him because addiction is like not an easy like, oh, let's do this one thing and I'm, you know, I'm clean and I'm going to kick it. Like, so yeah, for- you can't, most people don't, quit cold turkey. No, it's it very hard to work like that. Yeah. So it's kind right. of incredible that it was like an instant relief of feeling getting rid of this thing. Well, and yeah. And also like, I, I think if I were in that position and I heard what he heard uh, and I was struggling with the addiction and mm-hmm. feeling kind of like my life was spiraling and I then learn I have a demon attached to me. I can't, <laughs> I don't know if I would be super optimistic no. and like going through the cleansing. I feel like I would I'd be like, oh my God, what else does the universe yeah. have to throw at me? Like, I feel so defeated and I feel so down. And it's so amazing that he just was like, I'm going to follow the steps. I'm going to do the thing and just came out so re-energized yeah. and get your with life so back. much like opportunity for life. John, I, I'm, John Wayne, I want to know um, what else happened with this conversation with the Green Witch. Like, I imagine she told you a lot and I want to know. Yeah. Tell us. And also, what I happened want to the well? Every single person, what happened in the well? And also, what's the contact for the Green Witch? I yes. want everyone who's had an experience with with someone who's read them or helped them mm-hmm. to write down the contacts of these people yes. so we can compile. Like, here's a reputable list of yeah, all that's the people such a good who like, idea. truly know and help. It's like psychology right? today for, for um, mediums and psychics and green witches. Right. Yeah. Which is like, I feel like it needs, there needs to be something. We're going to create it. Another business idea. We are. T freaking M. (laughs) T freaking M on this. T freaking M. But for real, it's hard. Like, you know, there's so many scammers. There's so many in any profession. Yeah. But this is one of the things we just send us, send us the contacts of people. Send it all to us. Send us your emails and your stories and everything. We want to hear them all. Email us at two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com. Come fall into the triangle. Get lost in it with us. Tell Get all of your friends about our podcast. The more you tell, yeah. the higher up in the pyramid scheme you will become. Yeah. And rate and review And the us. ghost will like you for it. Yes, all of the because ghosts. Because we are the most haunted podcast in America. And another thing that you can do aside from joining the triangle that's actually super, super helpful and you hear it at the end of every podcast is to rate yeah. and review. Please. That is truly – it helps a lot. Yeah. Subscribe. 
Tell everybody, watch us on YouTube, subscribe to that, yes. join our Patreon. Yeah. We have new merch that's coming out. Uh, by the time this comes out, it might be out. I'm yeah, not good at math. So. I'm looking at the calendar right now. So that will be super fun. Yeah. So exciting. Um, live show. Live show. Ah! All, of, all of the things. We're, lots, of, lots of things happening. We're so excited. We mm-hmm. can't wait to – I don't know. The live show is going to be so fun. We can't wait. It's going to be great. It's going to be so fun. Yeah. So follow along on all the fun journey, spooky things that we're doing. And thank you to Aiden Manning and Eric Foster and the entire team at FR Digital for editing both our audio and our YouTube videos. We're just very, very grateful for such a cool team. Yes. And we're grateful for for all of you. Yeah. And if we don't see you on this side, (gasps) we will see you on the other Wait, I really like that as the that's and a new ending. Okay, we'll update. Okay, year, going into year five. If we don't see you on this side, we will see. We'll you see on you the on the other, other side. side. <laughs> Love it. Brilliant. Okay, Brilliant. bye. Bye.